0: Well, we are looking at the life of David in the Old Testament and under just the heading of developing a heart like God's and, and the fact that God wants to develop in us a heart that is like his and, and knowing that, that we are dependent upon God in that and yet, and yet God, God does some things similarly in all of our lives. And as we talked about last week that in David, David is described in the Bible as, as a person after God's own heart and so we can learn a lot about how God develops a heart like like his from the life of David. I'm going to encourage you to find a familiar text, 1 Samuel 17, and maybe you're not familiar with that text, but you're going to be re- uh, probably very familiar with the story. And that's the story of David and Goliath. And some of us uh, have known that uh, almost all of our lives, uh, perhaps we, we heard it as a child, know uh, bits and pieces of it uh, along the way. But uh, whether it's an old story for you or a new story, hoping that God will uh, teach us some things uh, about how He wants to develop a bold heart. In in each of us, because we need it. Uh, because uh, really, facing giants is, is an intimidating experience. And I, I remember, as I was thinking about this message, I, I, I try to think about times of facing giants, and and I remember. At least the first time I can remember, have a memory of kind of facing what seemed like a giant in my life, what well, was in grade school. And we were living in Philly at the time, and I think it was like first grade, and and they had at that time what they call like blacktop time, because there's a lot of blacktop there, right? Uh, and, and so all, all the elementary age folks, we were all out there on this playground together, and there was this bigger kid, he was like older, and he would always manage to find his way over to this little little kids and he would just, you know, kind of bully and intimidate and do all of those things, and and it really got old really quick, you know, and so um, I I kind of figured, you know, I wasn't big enough to do anything on my own, but I talked to one of my friends, and we figured that next time he came over to kind of intimidate our class, the two of us could take him. The two of us together, we could take him because, you know, we had watched Batman and Robin and the Green Hornet and stuff, so we knew. We knew the moves, right? We knew that we could take this guy. And so next time he comes wandering over, we were ready. We were ready. And he comes and is just making his way through our little first grade class part of the blacktop there. And we jumped him. I mean, we jumped him and it was, it was just, you know, there was fur flying and I don't remember all the details. There was some blood and whatnot, but there's one part of that encounter that is still vivid decades later. I remember, I don't know how I got on his back, but I was like on this guy's back, and I was like trying to choke him there, right? I mean, this was like serious stuff. And I, and, he, and I saw my friend, and somehow this big guy had gotten him and was flinging him, and my friend was starting to fly through the air. And at the time, there was the sound of a ripping hood because he had a hold of my friend's hood, and it went... And so there was this in almost slow motion, the ripping of the hood and my friend kind of flying through the air. And at that point, it's like, dear God, send a teacher over here. Quick, you know, no, we're in trouble. And so, you know, teachers finally showed up and kind of, kind of settled us down and sent everybody to their corners. But the good news was from that point on, our piece of the blacktop was secure he didn't come over and and mess with our little section of the blacktop anymore and and I know that's kind of a, a silly story but what I know is that we all face giants right in fact is what I know is that this morning some of you have walked into this room and there's some giants in your life and maybe it's a medical giant something physical maybe it's a financial giant you just got hit you don't see a way out maybe it's a relational giant and you're just not sure how these pieces are ever going to get picked up and put back together again maybe it's a giant challenge that you feel like it's something you need to take on an opportunity you need to seize but it seems too hard too big too difficult too complex We all face giants in our lives. And facing giants is always, always, always an intimidating experience. But what I also know is that very often when we face a giant, we don't see it coming. I mean, Goliath moments sometimes show up at the most unexpected times, right? And if you read the story in 1 Samuel 17, what you discover is David didn't like wake up that morning and say, you know, I think I'm going to look for a giant to take on. Actually, he just kind of wandered in the field. His dad had sent him there to, to take food to his older brothers and their commander to kind of check on them and come back with a report. That was the agenda for the day. It was a break from the shepherd's field. And yet before that day was over, David finds himself wandering into a field. Field facing a giant all by himself that nobody else is willing to face sometimes goliath moments come into our lives unannounced and unexpectedly and maybe some of you are staring one down now or maybe maybe before this week is done some of you will find yourself in a field with a giant but here's what i want you to hear God wants to use those moments. God wants to prepare you for those moments to develop a bold heart within you. And I know maybe for some it's thinking, really? That's what God wants to do? I mean, I thought as a follower of Christ, you know, you think meek or mild or humble or all these things, and all of that is absolutely true, but there's also a daringness. There's also a boldness, a boldness for God, a boldness in obedience, a boldness in trusting God. In fact, is when you get to the New Testament, you see boldness being one of the marks of followers of Jesus Christ. Just a couple quick examples from Acts chapter 4. When some of the opponents of the early church saw what was going on, on, they saw something in these guys now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And I think there was something about the boldness of their heart to said, I don't know everything about these guys. They don't appear to be educated. They don't appear to have a lot of things that should make you bold. But it appears that they belong to and they've been with Jesus because Jesus wanted to develop a bold heart in them. So much so that when they continued to be persecuted, even jailed and threatened and all those things along the way, they didn't pray for protection. They didn't pray, make our life easier." Actually, they prayed, "Make our hearts bolder." Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And as I was preparing for this message, I thought, "Gosh, Lord, when's the last time I prayed for that? When's the last time I just prayed? Embolden my heart. Lord, help me to live. With more boldness. Help me to speak with more boldness. Not arrogance, not rudeness, but boldness. God wants to develop in us a bold heart. And He uses a lot of different ways to do that. From this story in 1 Samuel 17, I want us to see four ways, four circumstances that God uses to develop a bold heart. Within us. You're familiar with the story, uh, perhaps, as, as David, as I already said, kind of made his way out there and uh, didn't expect to face a giant that day. But when he gets there delivering the food, what he discovers is the Israeli army's kind of camped in one area, the Philistine army in another. And instead of kind of engaging in all out war, uh, the, the Philistines have sent forth their champion, Goliath. And, and as the scripture records, the, the measurements are like over nine feet tall. So this is, I mean, this guy dwarf shack all right i mean this is a big big dude this is a literal giant in his armor and his weaponry and just intimidating presence and and the idea was a champion from each army would fight to determine the victor the problem was nobody from israel was stepping out or stepping up they were hiding behind their tent flaps they were I'm not going out there and I personally I think Saul probably was the guy that should have been out there but as we saw last week he had already been in the process of having a decaying heart and so there wasn't a boldness in him he wasn't going to step out on that battlefield he's made an offer trying to kind of bribe folks to go. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll get all these benefits and tax relief and marry into the royal family and all these things and still even with with, with a care out there nobody was taking this on and into this scene walks david and david can't believe it david can't believe that nobody's stepping up and in this defiance of the living lord god had been developing a bold heart within him and one of the ways that god did that was through everyday challenges through everyday challenges. And so we're going to just go ahead and move down to verse 34. I want you to see this, this first point, and then we'll back up a little bit. But in, in verse 34, uh, he, he's just kind of been asking about this. And, and that, so he ends up before the king, and, and the king's basically asking, you know, what is it that makes you think you can take this guy on? Here's David's explanation, verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I called him by his beard and struck him and killed him your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God and David said the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine and Saul said to David go and the Lord be with you now what is David telling us here David is telling us that he could respond in boldness at this moment because of the way that he had been responding to every day challenges along the way. And what that tells me, and hopefully will tell you, is that when God goes about developing a bold heart within us, it takes time. It just takes time. We can't microwave this. It's not like, well, I'll just, I'll just coast along, I'll just do my thing, and then when that big moment comes, when the giant appears, then I'll be bold. No, 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 no. It is developed over time. It's developed in the little things of life. David displayed a courage in his Goliath moment, if you will, because he had learned to have confidence in the sufficiency of God in the everyday challenges of life. As one of the youngest in his family, the older guys are off to war. You know, they, they, they got, the, they, they got the, the, the prestige. They got the position. They're, they're, they're in the glamour position, if you will. He's he stuck out in the shepherd field. But David didn't know. God knew what he was doing out there. And God was teaching him something day by day by day as he's taking care of the sheep, as he's encountering predators, as he boldly faces those predators, he begins to learn. He begins to learn about himself. He begins to learn about the God who is going to be faithful to him. He learned about the sufficiency of God's power for every challenge, every giant that would come into his life. But that didn't just happen in a moment. That happened in a series of moments, day by day by day. Here's the truth I want you to understand. You and I will not be bold in the big moments if you have not learned to be bold in the little ones. That God uses the little ones to prepare us for the big ones. God uses the everyday challenges of life to prepare us for the Goliath moments that come our way. The little things really do matter. I remember reading a few years ago about a a financial company. Their CEO was preparing to retire and they wanted the transition to be a good one. And so the board was meeting and they identified three vice presidents who potentially could move up to this CEO position. And they, they had done some interviews and they, and they uh, had met and they as they came together again in that morning, one candidate seemed to emerge of the three and they really felt like this is the guy and so they had kind of settled that. Basically, we're going to do a lunch and then and then they were going to come back and and uh, they would call him in and basically offer him the position. During lunch, they had a, a cafeteria area there as a part of their complex and they went and and one of the board members was just a couple spots behind one of the vice presidents. The vice president they were going to offer the position to, and he watched him as he just kind of moved his tray down and and watched him take a couple of pats of butter, and he put them on his tray and then he slid his napkin over top of them so he wouldn't have to pay for them. What a chintzy move! I mean. But the board member watched this. He watched him go through without paying for it. He goes back that afternoon and he he relates this incident to the rest of the board. And they go ahead and call the VP in at the scheduled time. But now they have a different agenda. they would had a lively post-lunch discussion out of it. And the chairman basically looked at the VP and he said, we were going to announce that you had been chosen as the new leader of this company. Unfortunately, the scenario has now changed. At lunch, you took some butter without paying for it. So instead of promoting you, this board is asking for your immediate resignation. A couple pats of butter. Why did they do that? Because they knew. They knew how you show up in the little things is how you're going to show up in the big things. They knew that just that one incident displayed something about his heart, something about his character, something so vital that they weren't willing to entrust him with bigger responsibilities. God uses the little moments to prepare us for the Goliath moments. God uses everyday challenges. Will I show up? Will I show up with boldness in the little moments, in the everyday challenges? that's what God uses to shape us for the big ones. You can think about uh, our life being shaped and the trajectory of our life being shaped uh, by kind of two major things, if you will. One would be defining decisions. Defining decisions, and we kind of know this, you know, well, what job am I going to take? What, what college am I going to go to? Who am I going to marry? Or The biggest defining decision of all is what am I going to do with Jesus Christ? I mean, these are, these are some of these huge defining decisions that just, just send ripple effects throughout the rest of our life there along the way there are defining decisions and they are important ones but what a lot of folks fail to value is not just the defining decisions, but the daily decisions. The daily decisions, those choices that we make every day, those little decisions along the way. We make this decision in a defining moment, but do I back it up? Do I reinforce it? Do I live it out with my daily decisions along the way? If my daily decisions don't continually align in the right direction, I'm not, it's going to change the trajectory of my life no matter how big my defining decision is those daily decisions matter those daily decisions matter what do i do with my time what do i do with my money what what do i do with my energy those daily decisions matter and they impact the trajectory of our life Uh, daily decisions matter because in our daily decisions the everyday challenges god wants us to meet them with a boldness even if it doesn't seem like a big thing. Bold obedience, bold prayers, bold action, a bold conversation, leaning into a tough conversation instead of backing away from it. Those bold decisions God uses to develop a bold heart within us. God uses the everyday challenges of life, but he also will use criticism and opposition. Quite honestly, I wish this was not one of his tools. <laughs> I wish this is one that he, he didn't choose to use, but he does. He, he uses, and you see that here in First Samuel. I want to back up a few verses. David's shown up. He's shown up with the food. He's supposed to check on his brothers, and he just becomes aware of what's going on. He's asking lots of questions, trying to figure it out along the way. And his older brother is absolutely not impressed. He's not impressed. Let me back up to verse 24. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man being Goliath, fled for him and were very much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the man who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? And who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before now what's going on here here's Eliab, the older brother here, here's here's this one that maybe david even looked up to in many ways and david shows up and he's asking questions and instead of encouragement instead of so glad to see you there, there, there's there's criticism there's there's sarcasm there's questioning of his heart and his motivations you think why? Why? Why, did, why is he doing that? And I think at least part of the reason is Eli's failure to face the giant was killing him. It was not only killing him, but I think it was killing all the others. One day, one moment at a time. That's what happens in my heart and yours when we fail to face the giant. When we fail to respond with boldness, with bold obedience, bold trust, or bold action, when we fail to respond to God in that way, there's a death. Something kind of starts to die within us. And out of that, we can begin, when it's kind of decaying or dying on the inside, we can act very negatively on the outside. There's something that takes place, you see. Uh, and, And it happens even within families, I mean, let's be honest, no one can encourage us or discourage us quite like family, right? And some of you, some of you have been you are part of families where you have experienced great examples, great encouragement, great love, great support along the way, and that is something to be so incredibly valued and never taken for granted. But I know some of your stories, and for some of you. To walk boldly with Christ means to walk in a way that is going to invite questions, criticism, alienation even, certainly discouragement from your family. And that that hits and that hurts. And here is David whom God is shaping with a bold heart in his older brother is putting him down just the sarcasm in that who did you leave the few sheep with i know your evil heart he's questioning who he is and what he does he's questioning his motivations why why because when i don't face my own giants i'm going to be threatened by people that are i'm going to be threatened by people that are And there are people that they're not facing the giants in their life. They're not living with a bold heart toward God. And because of that, it becomes threatening to them. It becomes threatening to them when someone else is living with boldness. Someone else is boldly trusting God, boldly obeying God, boldly walking with God. And the way to deal with that threat is to criticize, to oppose it, to, to mock it, to make fun of it along the way. But I want you to notice, though, the brilliance of David's response there in verse 30. What does he do? Let me go back. Let's look at that. Let's read that real quick. And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. Listen, he didn't give in, and he didn't fight it. He didn't give in, and he didn't fight it out. He, he, didn't, he didn't hear that opposition, didn't hear that criticism, he didn't hear that sarcasm and say, okay. <laughs> That's enough. I'm stopping. I'm not. I'm, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to You're my older brother, for goodness sakes. I'm, I'm not going to face a giant. No, no. Or he didn't just spend all of his time trying to convince his brother that his job was important or his motives were right or all of these things. He, he, he just understood sometimes you got to be wise. you got to be wise in choosing your battles. Choose your battles wisely. You don't fight every battle. What did he do? He turned away and started talking to somebody else. I'm not going to spend my energy. I'm not going to give my focus to trying to convince my brother of my value, of my importance, of my obedience, of the the purity of my motives. I'm not going to spend that time there. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Sometimes you have to fight, but sometimes you just have to turn and move on. You don't let it stop you. But you don't stand there and keep fighting over it either. You just keep on. If you're going to have a bold heart, sometimes part of having a bold heart is realizing, I'm not going to fight this battle. I'm not going to fight this battle. This is not where God wants me to be. If I start spending all my time answering every critic and every opponent, I'm never going to have the time or the energy to do what God wants me to do. In the face of criticism, in the face of opposition, David continued to lean into a bold heart. But if you're going to live out a bold heart, you're also going to have to deal with the pressure to conform. A pressure to conform. And this is so interesting to me. Let's Let's continue to follow the narrative. So he's getting criticism and questions from his family he appears before Saul and Saul's kind of kind of uh, wondering you "Well, know, what background do you have and he tells him how God has been shaping him in the shepherds field and then interestingly enough uh, you, you would think you know uh, Saul would 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 kind of stop at that point but but the interesting thing is Saul Saul's going to coach him up here a little bit right let me go back here uh, let, let's let's back up to to the verse uh, 37 and so at the end Saul says to David go and the Lord be with you well thanks a lot Saul you know you're not going to step out in the field but you know go and God be with you and then Saul starts coaching him how to do it then Saul clothed David with his armor He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine." Now, there's, there's a couple things I want you to see here. The first is that facing giants is often a lonely experience. It's often a lonely experience. There are many who will criticize. Actually, there are many who will stand on the sidelines and give you counsel. But there are not many who will walk into the field with you at first. It may very well be that when you start to face a giant, that you'll be there alone. And whenever I think about that, I always think about that old hymn we used to sing more. Now, Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. You know, David was looking around at all these seasoned soldiers, these, these trained warriors. Nobody was stepping out in the field. Here's the king. He's not going. But David said, I'll go. I'll go. The God who has been faithful Will continue to be faithful to me I'll go and then Saul wants to tell him how to go can I just go ahead and give you a warning here don't take counsel on how to face a giant from somebody who isn't facing their own giants all right I mean it's kind of like that old rule of thumb don't take financial advice from somebody that's broke you know, I mean, maybe you can learn from some of their bad lessons or something, but but they're probably not the greatest person to give you counsel. You want to learn from somebody who's in the field. You want to learn from somebody who has faced their own giants. There are a lot of folks who will tell you how to face a giant. They will tell you how to face a problem. But the question you need to ask as you're discerning and listening to them is, who have, what giant have they faced lately? When's the last time they wandered out into the field? Because you want to hear from somebody that's actually engaged a giant. Don't take counsel from somebody that's not facing their own giant. Here's the question. How does God want you to battle your giants? God didn't want David to do it Saul's way. He didn't want him to wear Saul's armor. I mean, it wasn't going to fit in the first place. I mean, remember, Saul? Saul's like, you know, he's like, like extra tall, right? A big and tall men's shop or something. David, David's a much different size. I mean, it would have been ridiculous to begin with. And sometimes when we want to face a giant, we kind of feel like we need to put on somebody else's armor. We need to do it the way that somebody else did. And yes, learn from everybody that you can learn, particularly from somebody who is actually facing giants, but the question at the end... And comes down to god this is not my battle alone this is your battle how do you want me to face this battle how do you want me to face this giant how uniquely has god put you together how uniquely does god want to work in and through you and by the way some of us would be a whole lot better off if we quit trying to dress other people in our armor If we quit trying to tell folks how to face their giants. Man, listen, if they want to learn, if we can coach and counsel and help and support and encourage, let's do it. But sometimes we just need to to, to back off and say, God, you, you show them. God, you show them how to fight that battle. You show them how to face the giant that you have brought into their life. There's always going to be a pressure to conform. There's going to be a pressure to conform, and particularly to the culture around you. That's why one of the, 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 the warnings and the challenges in, in Romans 12 is to be aware of this pressure to conform. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I I love the way that Eugene Peterson kind of paraphrased this in in, in the message. Let me just read that aloud as I think he draws out some wonderful nuances. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize that what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God wants you not to conform to the culture or the pattern around you, but he wants you to be transformed as you focus on God, as you focus on his truth, as you focus on his word. And out of that transforming from the inside out, he begins to develop in you a heart like his. He begins to develop a holy boldness that empowers you to face the giants of your life, to walk out in bold obedience. We're all going to have what we might call defining moments in our life. We're going to have those moments when we're going to decide, am I going to do it God's way or the world's way? Am I going to go along to get along or am I going to walk in bold obedience? And this, again, is not rudeness. It's not arrogance. It's not, it's not I'm better than you. It's just, man, this is, this is what God's calling me to. God's name, God's fame, God's reputation, God's truth is on the line. I'm going to walk in boldness. I'm going to walk bold in obedience to my God. I'm not going to let the people around me, including it sometimes the church culture around me, to keep me from walking in obedience to God. God shapes a bold heart as we resist the pressure to conform. And those defining moments come, which leads us to the fourth thing out of this chapter, and that is the great crisis moments of our life. That God will take those great crisis moments of our life and shape a bold, bold heart within us. We won't take time to read all of those verses this morning because my guess is many of us know the rest of the story, right? David wanders wanders out in the field with just the shepherd's equipment. He has a stone. He has the sling goliath is there in all his intimidating best all his power all his armor and god takes a shepherd boy and he takes a stone and he lands it right between the giant's eyes the giant falls david finishes him off with his own equipment the victory is won the israeli army begins to respond See, what happens in those great crisis moments is that, that something, something begins to, to be unleashed, if you will. In the great crisis moments of our lives, our hearts are revealed. They reveal our hearts. How was how how David able to respond in boldness because God had been shaping a bold heart in him all along the way? Crisis moments reveal our hearts, but crisis moments also redirect our hearts. They redirect our hearts to new levels of trust, new levels of obedience, new understandings of God, new understandings of ourselves. All of this comes as we respond to God with boldness, with trust, with obedience in the crisis moments of life so that when you come to this moment standing before this giant gargantuan goliath david chose to believe in god's sufficiency rather than the opinion of others he said i know what everybody else says i can see him hiding behind the tent flaps here but i know my god is sufficient he chose to trust and to believe in god's strength rather than in his own limitations how easy it would have been for David to have, uh, David to have looked and said, look, I'm this big, he's this big, he's got all the equipment, I got like a sling and a stone. Uh, everybody is telling me that he's stronger, he's bigger, he, you know, I'm in trouble. But he chose to believe that God's sufficiency and God's strength was enough for whatever giant God brought across his path. And it's the same choice that you and I are going to have to make as we face crisis, as we face giants. See, when you face a crisis, you're either going to really focus on the size of your problem or you're going to focus on the size of your God. I mean, that's it. Focus on the size of our problem or focus on the size of our God. And sometimes when I'm talking to folks about this, I'll just, get, just use my hand. And some of you have heard me do this before. But, but you know, when, if, if my hand is the problem, it, sometimes I get so focused on the problem, I bring it up so close, I examine it from every angle that, that it begins to just block it. I can't see. I can't see anything else. I just, I just see the problem. When I take that same hand and I step outside on a moonlit starry night and I hold it up and I, I see it against the backdrop of of the sky and the moon and the stars, and I realize that problem is is not that overwhelming, that God is greater. Now, here's the interesting thing. My hand never changed size, okay? What changed size was my perspective. I either see it as all-consuming or I see it against the backdrop of the The ever-presence, the all-sufficiency, the all-power and strength of our God. When you face a crisis, when you face a giant, you're going to be tempted just to focus on the size of your problem. But those who live with boldness, those who develop a bold heart, have learned to focus not just on their problem, but they have learned to focus on the size and the strength of their God. A couple of closing thoughts, and then I want to give you... Uh, an encouragement as we close first closing thought is this one little stone with the power of god is more powerful than anything the world can throw at you there are times when we think i don't have what it takes I only have this in my hand. I have these limited resources or this limited power or whatever it might be. But God can bring into your hand whatever you need to face the giant that he brings into your life. And whatever God has entrusted to you, if you'll place it in God's hand, it will be more than sufficient, more than sufficient for anything the world can throw at you. It would seem ludicrous for somebody surveying that battlefield that day to say that little boy, that young man with that stone and that sling is going to take down that well-armed giant. But one little stone, one little stone with the power of God behind it is more powerful than anything, any giant the world can throw at you. Some of you may be facing a giant today and you think, I don't have what it takes. And what I'm going to just encourage you with is that if you'll take whatever it is you have and you'll entrust it to God and you'll begin to lean on His strength and His sufficiency, you'll find that God plus whatever you have in your hand is more than sufficient for whatever giant you're facing in your life right now. That doesn't mean He won't bring other resources to bear. He, He will but it means that he will start right where you are with what you have in your hand. But I also want you to realize that this isn't just about you. Facing a giant is never just about you. It is always about more than just you. It's about the honor and the glory and the fame and the name of God. That's what was, part was driving David. Who is this? Philistine defying the armies of the living God. He knew that God's name and reputation were on the line. How you and I live, it it matters. People are watching. It it not only was about God, but it was about other people. Other people's lives were going to be affected. Other people's lives were going to be affected. So what happens if you continue to read the chapter? Once Goliath falls, once the victory has been won, all of a sudden, this army, all these people who were hiding behind their tent flaps, all of a sudden of a sudden, they're emboldened, they're engaged, they begin to flood onto the battlefield, they begin to chase the Philistine army. Why? Because one man, one man responded with boldness, one man responded with courage, one man responded with trust. I want you to know that there are people who are watching you. They are watching you. They're watching how do you handle a crisis? What do you do when a giant comes stomping into the field of your life? And they're going to watch. Are you going to conform? Are you going to respond with cowardice? Or are you going to charge? Are you going to fade away? Or are you going to step up and boldly trust in the sufficiency and strength of God? And they're going to watch you. They're going to form opinions about the greatness of your God and the depth of your belief and the reality of your faith based on what they see when the giant shows up on your doorstep it's not just about you but it's about the fame and the name of god and it's about the impact that it's going to have on other people beginning with your own family and trickling out from there one of the interesting historical tidbits as you would continue to follow david's story as we're going to in the weeks ahead is that because david lived with a boldness and we'll see, not perfection, but because he lived with such a boldness that he began to attract around him a group of mighty men. And you read some of their exploits, and it's just, it's just incredible. I mean, it's, these were really courageous people. How does David get folks like that around him? Because they saw the boldness in his life and the boldness in his heart, and he attracted people like that. One guy, 2 Samuel 23, 20, was a guy by the name of Benaiah. Beniah is, is, is it, it's one of just little things about him there throughout throughout the old testament but one of one of the things there in twenty three twenty is that is that he he went into a pit with a lion on a snowy day who does that right? who does that i mean if you see a lion in a pit in a snowy day you don't go down there you run around you walk around right who does that Somebody that's crazy or somebody that's real courageous. And the lion didn't walk out, but been an idea. How did that happen? Because of the ripple effect of David's boldness. That one little blurb in scripture was enough that inspired Mark Batterson to end up writing a book in a pit with a lion on a snowy day great read if you've never read it but out of that he kind of developed what he called a lion chaser's manifesto and i just want to close with this today quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death run to the roar set god-sized goals pursue god-given passions go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention Stop pointing out problems. Become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future face your fears, fight for your dreams, grab opportunity by the mane, and don't let it go. Live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges, blaze new trails, live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Dare to fail, dare to be different, quit holding out, quit holding back, quit running away, chase the lion. That's what it looks like to live with a bold heart let's pray to him together please oh father how we just thank you that you aren't finished with us yet that you are working in our lives to develop a heart like yours and and lord part of that heart is a bold heart and father i just pray i pray knowing that in this room right now there are folks that are that are facing some giants And Lord, sometimes those giants intimidate us, they scare us, they they cause us to just want to hide and run and not come out again. Lord, I I pray whether that's a giant problem or a giant opportunity, Father, I pray that you'd help us to to, to respond with a bold heart, and not not a trust in ourselves, but a trust in you, a, a trust in your strength, your sufficiency, your power, your love. And Lord, I pray right now that you would just speak to us about the giants in our life. You would speak to us about how you want us to respond right now. And I'm just going to ask you just to spend another moment or two sitting before the Lord. And as you do, there's, there's just a section in your note-taking guide about making it personal. And there's a lot of questions there, too many for us to, to walk through in the brief moments we have this morning. But I want you just to begin to think about what is your default setting when it comes to facing a giant. Where is it that God might be wanting you to respond with a Holy Spirit-inspired, bold obedience and trust? What would it look like for you to take a step toward the battlefield instead of a step running away? Who might be impacted by the way you face your giant today? just going to encourage you maybe to just write down a word or two a phrase a sentence in response to some of those questions maybe it's something the spirit's prompting in you now maybe you're here today and you're just thinking about the reality of a giant and maybe you just you would just like somebody to pray with you today we have a connect room in the back of our worship space a connect team that's available to you right now and they'll be there right after the close of our service as well At any time over these next few moments, please feel free to slip back there. We would love to just pray with you about whatever it is that you're facing right now. That God would give you wisdom. God would give you boldness. God would work in you and through you. Maybe today your next step involves... Boldly becoming a follower of christ or boldly standing in the waters of baptism publicly proclaiming christ as your savior Maybe god has led you to this church family and it's time to just nail it down and boldly say This is where i'm going to invest my life for the king and the kingdom our connect room and connect team is the place for you to go This is the team that can help you take those next steps Whatever it is that god is saying to you. We're just going to encourage you this week live with a boldness A boldness not born out of your own capacity, but a boldness born out of faith and trust in the sufficiency and the strength of Almighty God. As you do that, I'm just going to ask you to stand with us right now.